Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. So good to see you. Hey, I'm Pastor Rob, our campus pastor out of Muskego. I want to give a shout out to all those in Muskego and Waterford as well as those um, joining us online. We are talking about prayer. You know what? We're not just talking about it. We're actually doing it. So for the month of February, we've kind of got a challenge going on here. Three commitments, and you might have heard of them. Maybe this is your first time with us, so you're, you're new to it, but basically... First, we want to be praying every day. Now, maybe you don't do that yet, and so we made a very simple way for you to jump right into it, just for 15 seconds. If you read through even the Lord's Prayer, you got that 15 seconds covered. And then to add to that, something that will help us to continue on, and that is to pray with someone else each day as well. So don't just make this just your thing, but invite somebody into that. And if you're married, invite your spouse to pray with you. If you're not married, find one of your your good friends that would be willing to do so and have them pray with you. And then a third one is this, to pray for someone who needs God. How many know someone who needs God in their life? Okay, I think we all do, right? So to pray specifically for that person, to make those commitments because we want to see God work. We want to see him work in us and through us, and we want to see him work through prayer as well. So let me ask you, because some of you may not have done this yet, and I want to encourage you, you know, it's not too late. Go ahead and, and start today with those three commitments. But some of you have already been doing this since February 1st, so let me just do a quick poll. How many of you say you've seen an answered prayer sometime this year in February? You've seen God answer a prayer. Okay. All right, a few hands there, okay. Now I'm asked a really tough one. How many of you have prayed for something and have not received an answer yet? Let's see the hands. What is up with that? You ever feel that way? It's like, what in the world? Look at these people who are getting their prayers answered and I'm sitting here and I've been praying and nothing. And it kind of feels bad, doesn't it? And we can start to, start to think through these things and come to some wrong conclusions right away. Some of those conclusions go like this. Well, that person must be closer to God than I am. So that's why God listens to them and he must not listen to me. Or some of you are thinking, man, they must have this prayer thing down. They're just, they're just better prayers than I am. That's what it is. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? God loves them more than he loves me. You know what? Each one of those would be wrong. That's not what's up with whether your prayers are answered or not. But you may have felt that way before. It can pull at a bottom line, actually, that I want to give us a reminder of. Because we can question when our prayers aren't answered, or at least when they're not answered the way that we think they should be answered, or they're not answered in the time that we think they should be answered in. We need a reminder. And this reminder is our bottom line for this message. God is for you. So ask boldly. God is for you. You as an individual, he is for you. So ask boldly for the things that you need and the things that you want. And continue asking. We're gonna see how he pulls us apart and how he tells us to continue to pray even when it seems like it's not doing what it should do. But before we get into that, 
As I mentioned, you know, our hope is that everyone will experience God and his working through prayer. But I wanna give you a couple of things to help us to understand here. And that is there are some real hindrances to answered prayer. There are some things that keep prayers from being answered. And we wanna make sure and avoid those because we want to experience God's working as we pray. And so we need to make sure that we look and say, well, there's some real things though that keep prayers from being answered. And we're gonna go to the book of James in order to do that. So let me encourage you to grab a Bible or go ahead and find the Bible app on your phone and turn to the book of James. If you have a physical Bible, then you're gonna find it near the end of the New Testament between a couple of books, Hebrews, and you'll see two letters written to Peter. And so right in between those, you're gonna find the book of James, James chapter four. Now you might be wondering, who is this guy by the name of James anyways? Well, let me tell you a little bit about him as you're turning there. James is actually someone who knows a lot about God. In fact, he has this unique perspective on life and on God, and here's why. He had this really, 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 and I mean really famous brother. As soon as I say his name, you're gonna have said, hey, uh, yeah, I've heard of him before. His name is Jesus. Anybody ever hear of him? Okay, that is James's brother. And James wrote this letter to a bunch of Christians because he wanted them to understand that there are some problems if we don't live out the things that God has for us. And they were suffering from some of these problems. And so James has this very unique perspective because he had a front row seat at Jesus's interaction with his father. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Being Jesus's brother, you got to see him pray to God and you got to see which prayers were answered and which ones weren't. But you know what? James, just like his other siblings, did not believe Jesus was God. Now, before you get on the blame game here, think about that for a minute. Would you believe it if somebody told you that one of your brothers was God? Probably not, okay? I would struggle with that one quite a bit. Now, they're all sinners, okay? So that might have something to do with it, okay? But even if they're perfect, I think I'd still question that whole thing. So you can't blame them for it, but that all changes. Do you know when it changes? When Jesus comes back from the dead and he has a conversation with him, then he believed, and he believed wholeheartedly and he believed passionately. And he believed passionately in the power of prayer. So much so that he got this nickname we'll find in history. You won't find the nickname in the Bible, but you'll find in history that James had a nickname and it was Camel Knees. Do you know why? Because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer. Because he believed in prayer. That's James. So let's look at these two hindrances that James is going to talk about when it comes to answered prayer. And we're gonna find them in James chapter four and start in verse number one and we'll read through verse number four. It says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, when you read that and you say, okay, what are the hindrances to answered prayer? Did you catch them? It's so obvious. It's almost like, well, duh, okay? The first one there is this, not asking. How can God answer a prayer that's never asked? 
Sometimes you might act like me. Well, he knows everything I'm saying, so why do I need to ask anyways, right? He tells us to. He tells us to come to him with our prayers, to ask him. But the number one hindrance to answered prayer is never asking. Meaning, you ask not, you receive not. It's as simple as that. When we don't ask, we will not receive. Now, it wasn't for lack of desires that they weren't asking. Did you catch that? They had all kinds of desires. In fact, their desires were off the charts. How do we know that? Because James describes it this way. He says, you are willing to actually steal, you are willing to lie, and you're willing to kill. Now, get this. He's writing to Christ followers here. That changes everything, right? You're thinking, what in the world is going on here? He's saying, you Christians are willing to fight, you're willing to steal, you're willing to lie. And he goes on, he says, you're willing to kill. Now, they weren't physically killing people. But again, one of the things that James learned from his brother Jesus was this, that killing, before it ever becomes physical, it starts in the heart. As soon as you hate, you've already committed murder, Jesus said, in your heart. And so they were wanting, they were jealous, they were desirous of things, so much so that they're willing to even hate, they were even willing to lie, they're willing to go to war for it, they're willing to steal it. But what was the one thing they weren't willing to do? Ask for it. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that just nuts? It's like, I won't even go to the one who could actually give me what I want. Why not? They might have been thinking I couldn't ask, or I wouldn't ask, or I shouldn't ask. And sometimes our requests fall into those degrees, don't they, at times. That's where they found themselves, and we don't know what all they were asking for. Some of them were probably very good things that they were asking for. We may not ask because we don't really believe that God is for us. Remember our bottom line? God is for you. Would you say that with me? God is for you. Now let's change it to me because you need to believe this. God is for me. Ready? Together. God is for me. So what? Ask boldly. Say that with me. Ask boldly. Do you believe God is for you? Yes. Amen. Good. Thank you, buddy. Awesome. When we ask of God, it changes everything. You might be thinking, wow, you know what? How do I know that God is for me? How do I know this? God made it clear just how much he's for us in Romans chapter 8, verse number 32. I want you to look at this one if you wouldn't read it with me. You can just look to the screen if you'd prefer. You don't have to turn there. You might want to turn there because it might be one that you want to underline for going back to and referencing it another time. Romans 8, 32, listen to this description about our God. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's our God. Did you catch that? That's our God. He said, you know what? Our God was willing to give up his son. He's talking about Jesus there, right? He was willing to give him up. You might think he didn't give him up. He just sent him to earth. Yes, he did. He sent him to die for us. 
Why? So that we could place our faith in him, our belief in him, so that we would not perish, but so that we would have eternal life. He's saying, that's the God, God that is for you. He is for you, so ask him. Ask him for the things that you need. Ask him for the things that you want. Ask him boldly. Go to him. Let him know what those things are, and we call that prayer. That's not the only part to prayer by any means, but that's our God. That's the description that he gives us. But do you pray like it matters? Do you believe that God is a good God and he wants you to come to him with your requests? Are you in that place where you're not convinced that'll do any good? It's easy to be there, isn't it? A lot of this message is coming straight from my heart because I find myself in these places at times when I'm praying. Maybe you even ask, but you're not convinced that it does any good. It reminds me of a pastor who led a prayer meeting. And a simple prayer was this, I want you, God, to shut down the one and only bar in town. Now, you already know that's not Wisconsin, right? Because there's more than one bar in every single town, okay? So, but he says, this is a prayer, and we're going to have a prayer meeting. We got all the congregation together to pray that the bar would shut down. It didn't shut down that day. didn't shut down the next day. But after seven days, lightning struck the bar, and it burned to the ground. The bar owner heard about the prayer meeting. So he decided, I'm going to sue that pastor. So they go to court. The day they get to court, they're standing in there, the bar owner explaining his side of things. He's sharing with the judge, telling him, God burned down my bar because these people prayed. They owe me money. Because he knew he wasn't going to get it out of God, I guess, okay? Well, the pastor needed a rebuttal, didn't he? He knew he had to be honest. And so he was as honest as he could be as he told the judge. He said, you know what? We did pray. We prayed and we prayed hard that God would close this bar. But none of us believed it would ever happen. The judge was a little puzzled and a little humored at the same time. As he began to express what he had just heard from these two gentlemen. And he said this, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Right in front of my own eyes is a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who does not. We can all relate, can't we? It's hard sometimes to pray for the things that God wants us to pray for. It's hard at times to pray for the things that we need. It's hard to believe that God wants to answer my prayers? Why would he? He tells us that he wants us to come to him. Sometimes we're afraid to ask. Sometimes I don't feel worthy to ask. Sometimes I think, as I mentioned before, God already knows why, so why ask? And honestly, sometimes I'm just tired of asking. And I just stop. Feeling like I've asked enough What does it say about my belief in God? What does it say about your belief about God and about prayer? Have you ever thought if God really wanted me to ask, then he would respond much sooner? Why does he have to wait so long? Why can't it be immediate? Like when I pray, I get the answer that I want, like immediately, like right away, you know, like the whole, hey, three, three wishes thing. 
Why, why can't we just do it that way, God? Sometimes I actually have this thought even. What if I ask and I don't get what I asked for? Won't I be disappointed? And sometimes that disappointment thought can lead me to a place that says, maybe it's better to not ask at all because then I won't be disappointed, I guess, right? And so I don't want to ask. I don't want to come boldly to God because I'm afraid that I might be somehow disappointed and I might not have that that prayer answered. Have you ever had this happen to you? You have a friend, maybe, who's struggling with cancer. And they say, hey, would you pray for me? Or maybe you have a friend or a family member who's struggling with an addiction. Maybe you have that person in your life that you've been trying to share Christ with for 20 years, and they've said no, 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 no. And you go to step into prayer, and all you can think is, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. And so that person who asked you if you would pray for them, you're thinking, I don't want them to go through that disappointment. And you begin to think, you know what? Man, it's even worse than disappointment. I gotta protect God's reputation here. You know what? We don't protect God's reputation. He can do that himself, all by himself. And so we can't let the thought of disappointment to lead us to, well, it'd be much better if I just didn't ask because then I wouldn't be disappointed. Yes, you would. We would. Because it's still gonna come down to, do you believe that God is a good God? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God wants you to come and ask, even if it means more than just one time, and asking more than once? We have to get past the thoughts of disappointment. So what is it that you want so much that you would do anything to get, much like the people that James is talking to? What is it? If somebody asks you directly right now, could you answer? What is that one thing you want more than anything else and maybe you're not going to God anymore with it? Either because you've given up or maybe you're not convinced that God is for you. Whatever it may be, what is that thing? Maybe you've been asking for it but you stopped asking for it. Are you willing to ask him again? Because you know what? One of the things he didn't tell us is stop asking. If he tells you to stop asking, then stop. But until that point, keep asking over and over and over and over and over again. Kind of like our kids, right? He wants us to come to him. We're his children. He wants us to bring those things before him. He wants us. Why? Because James is reminding us to ask. Even if the answer is no, there's a good reason for it. Because our Father is for us, and since he's for us, he wants us to ask, and ask boldly. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14, it puts it this way. It's a great, again, help to see that, you know what? God wants us to come to him, and he wants us, again, he uses that term boldly in Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 14 tells a little bit of insight about Jesus himself. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God... Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so this is what God says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He says, come to me. Come to me and bring your prayers. Jesus is here as well to hear those prayers, to be able to share those. He wants us to come to him boldly, and he wants us to do it regularly. But there's a second hindrance to prayer, the one that's hard to swallow here, that James dealt with. He says a lot of times there's this thing that goes on, and and we've decided to pray, but we've prayed with wrong motives. We've prayed and motives matter. That's right, motives matter. James chapter four, verse number three. Go back to our text that we started in here. He talks about those who do ask. And he says this in verse number three. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow, ouch. Maybe I'll say, I knew it. I knew it. I just do it wrong. I do it wrong again. Busted. I just don't know how to pray. It's not what he's saying here, okay? But he's saying there are wrong motives. And it's not that God's condemning the motives, okay? He wants the motives to change. He wants our hearts to change. Now think about that. Think about that. Have you ever prayed for something that you should have never, ever prayed for? Anybody else? Go there? Okay, I knew I'll have a handful of people. It's just you and me, guys, okay? All right. I have. There are times when I prayed with something or for something that I wanted to consume, okay, in in a wrong way. That's the problem at times. You know, we have these motives that are wrong. As I was a teenager, some of you will be able to relate to this, okay, if you're 40 and above, maybe. There's something called, I don't know if it still exists or not, Publishers Clearinghouse, you remember that? Publisher's Clearinghouse. So I actually had these prayers that would go something like this. God, would you please let me win the million dollars? I had visions that this guy named Ed McMahon was gonna come up and knock on my door and he was gonna have this big check that said $1 million with the name Robert Warnell on that. And so I'd pray and I'd say, God, please let me win the Publisher's Clearinghouse sweepstakes. You might say, well, why didn't you pray for the lottery? Okay, because that was gambling and it cost money to get a lottery ticket and I was a poor teenager. Otherwise, I probably would have done that and just said, God, would you just let me win the million dollars? And sometimes I'd add a little piece in there. God, I'll give you your 10%, okay? Yep, I'll tithe. That'll be one big tithe, man. That can do a whole lot of good. Sad to say, God never answered that prayer. But I shouldn't be so sad, should I? He knew it would destroy me if he would have answered that prayer. You see, God knows which prayers to answer and which ones not to answer because he knows which ones are based in solely our pleasures and which ones are not. God isn't asking or telling you never pray for something you want. It's not what he's saying. It is fine to pray for things that we want, but we better make sure that our whole goal in prayer is not just to consume it on our pleasures, and forget the one who gives the pleasure in the first place. And there's a difference between the two. And he wants us to realize that that word pleasure actually comes from a word you might have heard before, hedonism. And so when we go to God, we do need to make sure that we're not just looking to be self-centered 
and selfish and to consume it upon our lusts, as some versions will even put it. But God wants us to come to him. And when pleasure becomes the chief goal of our life, God will lovingly, and I mean lovingly, deny those prayers. Because he loves you enough and he realizes this, that those prayers are harmful to you. And those prayers are harmful to your relationship with him. I know some are like, I want to be the one who decides that. Let me see if I can handle the million dollars, okay? And then we'll decide. No, God knows. He knows what you need. He knows which wants are going to be ones that are going to carry on his will and his kingdom on this earth and which ones are not. But it doesn't deny that God wants us to pray. God's able to answer and God is good. So he wants us to come boldly to him. That's what he wants. And so I want to look at how we do that just quickly. Look at what he tells us about prayer in Luke chapter 11 verses 9 and 10. It tells us this. It says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You see, God wants us to come boldly and he wants us to come persistently. This follows a parable of someone who is nagging someone until they answer him. God's saying, that's what I want you to do. And he gives us a nice acrostic here in the English language, doesn't he? So this is what I want you to remember when it comes to prayers and being persistent. You need to ask. Did you catch how those all form an acrostic? You need to ask. You need to seek, and you need to knock. You see, there's an our part in prayer, and there's a God part in prayer. Our part is to keep asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking. Whose part is it to answer? Whose part is it to help us find? And whose part is it to open the door? That's God's part. Here's the hard one to swallow. Whose part is it to decide the timing of the answer? Silence is not a good thing at this point. (laughs) It's God's part. Whose part is it to decide how to answer? That's God's part. But he says, ask, seek, knock, because I am a good God And I want to answer your prayers. And I want you to come boldly to the throne of grace. There's a tension when I pray. Part of me is saying, wouldn't it be so cool if God would do this? It would be a miracle if God would answer this prayer. And then there's another part of me that pulls at that. And it says, you know what? It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And when I find myself in that tension, what God's telling me is you need to keep asking You need to keep seeking, and you need to keep knocking. Don't ever give up until I tell you to give up. Don't ever stop until I tell you to stop. Because it's your job to ask, to seek, to knock. It's my job to answer. It's my job to decide what timing is best for that answer. And I need to come boldly to God. 
Prayer is not just a time to let him know what I want. It's also a time to get to know him. You may be here and you may not know God. You may know of God, but maybe you don't know God. That's your first step. That's the first prayer. You may have prayed many prayers before this, okay? But if you've never received and trusted Jesus Christ, that gift that God tells us about, that's your first step. And I want you to take that step today. In a moment, I'll give us time of prayer. And I want you to make that your prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you already know Jesus. He's already your Savior. And so here's my ask of you. Will you recommit to asking bold prayers? To believing that God is a good God who's for you? Will you recommit to that just by telling him that? And would you go to him with what that thing is that you want and need from him more than anything else? Will you, believer, recommit to that? If so, as we pray, I want you to have that conversation with God. Would you bow your heads, please? Close your eyes. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, you don't know God in that way yet. You know of him, but you're not his child yet. He's not your father yet, maybe because you've never received the forgiveness of your sins that Jesus brought. Would you ask him for it now? Simply just pray to him something like this. Dear God, I'm coming to you boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly, asking because you tell me to ask. And here's what I'm asking you for. Would you forgive my sins? I'm believing that Jesus died on the cross so that I could be saved, so that I would not perish, but that I would have eternal life. That's my prayer right here and right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer today, would you just raise a hand? Just let me know that. Just raise your hand, okay? Thank you, thank you. All right. Believer, if you'd say, God wants me to pray a bold prayer, but honestly, I've stopped. And I need to come back to that belief that my God is for me and he wants me to approach his throne boldly. And I'm making that commitment today to do that. Would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me, okay? All right, thank you. Lord God, help us to depend upon you, to talk to you, to live our lives for you, to hear from you. We praise you. We thank you for being our God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, Make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.